Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 17 of Genesis chapter 7. And we're looking at verse 16. And they that went in, went in male and female of flesh, as God had commanded him. And Jehovah shut him in. We have been looking at other scriptures where we saw um, God discussing entering in to his kingdom, such as in the parable of Matthew chapter 25 with the ten virgins. And let me just turn there quickly. In Matthew 25, it said in verse 10, And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in, were entered with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. So we've seen that God likens entry into the kingdom of heaven or salvation to entering into uh, in the parable here, um, actually we're not told, it, it's not specified, it just says the bridegroom came and they that were ready went in, but uh, it's obvious it's referring to the kingdom of heaven. And then once the elect go in, then the door shuts. We saw it here in Matthew 25. We also saw it in Luke 13, verse 24 and 25. Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and has shut to the door. And ye begin to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he shall answer and saying to you, I know you not whence ye are. So God's people, the the uh, people that were predestinated to salvation before the foundation of the world, the ones that had their sins paid for by Christ at the point of the world's foundation, enter in. Then once the last one whose name uh, is written in that book of life goes into the kingdom of God, then God shuts the door. We see it in this parable um, of Matthew 25 and in the statement here in Luke 13. And we see it worked out in history as all uh, the family of Noah, the eight souls, went into the ark. Then God shut him in. Uh, that's the order of events. First, God saves his people. The gospel must be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. Then shall the end come. And the judgment of God begins with that shut door. And once God shuts the door, it's not the end of the world because it's at that point that 
disputing begins. That's um, what Luke 13 is is telling us, that many seek to enter in after the door has already been shut. And, and that's when the Lord is uh, telling them, depart from me, I, I know you not whence you are, I, I never knew you, you're not my people. I save my people, they're all safely within. It's the same idea as we see in Revelation chapter 22. It says in verse 14, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. The elect enter into the gates of the city, New Jerusalem, the kingdom of heaven, and it's at the moment of salvation that that happens. We, we shouldn't think that this requires actually leaving the earth in any way. No, remember when a person becomes saved, it's as though They've been transported into the heavenlies to be seated in Christ Jesus, and and yet they've never gone anywhere. It's just how God views them. They are now citizens of his kingdom. And that's exactly what happened when the gospel went into all the world, that final push, the final worldwide proclamation, of the message of Judgment Day approaching on the date of May 21, 2011. And through that message, God saved the whole company of the elect, the great multitude. And and when each one was saved, it was like they were coming into the ark, entering into the kingdom of heaven. Very well, come in, come in, come in. And they were they were coming in, by just droves all over the earth as God was saving people from every nation. But finally came the time when the last entered into heaven, through the gates into the city. Spiritually, they have now a place in heaven. They're seated in the person of Christ Jesus even though it's just some uh, poor old woman or 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 little child um, in a village in China, that was the last one, and and they heard the message, God saved them. Now all to come in were brought in. Then God shut the door, and and that old woman or that little child in that village didn't go anywhere physically. They they stayed right there, just like all the rest of God's elect, the only ones that went anywhere or change actual residence are those that have died over the course of time. But for the rest of the elect, they remain alive and left on the earth to go through the judgment, just as Noah and the other seven 
did not go anywhere. They, they went into the ark, but they remained on the earth. And they experienced the wrath of God, the flood, differently than the rest of the people of the earth. But just like the others outside the ark, the ones on the ark were still on the earth, only protected. They had a place of refuge. They were delivered by God's grace. And, and so both the righteous and the wicked went through the flood or experienced the flood. Of course, the flood ultimately destroyed the wicked and did not destroy the righteous. It, they, they survived. They endured until the end. And that goes along with what we read in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, which says in verse 16, And moreover, I saw under the sun the place of judgment, that wickedness was there, and the place of righteousness, that iniquity was there. I said in mine heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked, for... There is a time there for every purpose and for every work. And we can see from these verses that when uh, in the place of judgment, there's wickedness and righteousness together. And, And then we're told, God judges the righteous and the wicked. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 tells us, and again in that chapter, the we is referring to God's elect who must make an appearance, a manifestation before God's judgment seat. And that's what's been happening. It's what's been going on. We are appearing before the judgment seat and the, the whole world has come before God's throne of judgment, and he is punishing the wicked. So as the righteous make an appearance, the wicked are here in the place of judgment. We're all on the earth. The righteous have not been taken away or raptured, but left on the earth. This is why the Bible says in a few places... The following, and, and I'll read from Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. The Lord Jesus will judge the quick. What's that word mean? Well, the quick is a word that means alive or living. He will judge the living and the dead at his appearing. Now, we've read this uh, in time past and thought, well, that just means God will judge the physically living sinner as well as the dead sinners, the, the ones that have died in past generations, He will judge both at his appearing. But now we see, as many verses could be offered, that show 
that the elect are on the earth in the place of judgment. Remember that verse in Isaiah 24, in verse 6, that says, Therefore hath the curse devoured the earth, and they that dwell therein are desolate. Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned. And of course that means they're under the wrath of God. They're, they, they have been experiencing hellfire. The, the fire and brimstone that comes down from heaven above. And as a result they are burned. But it says immediately following that statement in the same verse, Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned and few men left. Who are these few? Well, many are called, but few are chosen. The chosen are the electos, the elect of God, the ones that God has saved. Isaiah tells us that when God judges the earth, when the inhabitants of the earth are burned, that you will be able to find on the earth few men left. As First Thessalonians 4, verses 15 through 17 tells us, When Christ comes, they which are alive and remain shall be caught up. They'll be lifted up from the earth to meet the Lord in the air. They are the few men left. They are alive because they've been saved and and they remain. And they are the quick, as the word quick means to live. The word of God is quick and powerful. It's a living word. Well, Jesus comes at his appearing in his kingdom to judge the quick, the living, and the dead. You could also say it comes to judge the righteous and the wicked. It's the same idea. It's synonymous with Ecclesiastes 3 statement. In the place of judgment, there is wickedness and there is the righteous. There is the quick and there is the dead. The spiritually alive are the quick. The spiritually dead are the dead. And the Lord Jesus judges both. Now we have to keep in mind that that a judge hears the case. He uh, views all of the evidence. And a judge reserves judgment until all has been presented and then a judgment may be innocent or guilty. And and so God's elect up here, they're made manifest before the judgment seat of Christ. And the judge uh, analyzes them. He, he goes over, of course, God is a judge that has uh, extreme abilities to, to know the thoughts and intents of the heart. And he, he knows everything about that individual. And he's able to search the person's life regarding every thought, word, and deed that they've ever been involved with. And he finds quickly with the wicked, with, with the spiritually dead, 
with the unrighteous, he, he finds a, a mountain of sin right away. They are under his wrath. They are condemned. The moment God actually finds one sin, then the sinner has no covering. He has no protection from the penetrating gaze of God. And, and God demands, if you offend in one point, you're guilty of all. You're a sinner, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. You must die, and you you die when God shuts the door of heaven. It guarantees the death of the sinner. And then finally, at the end of the judgment process of judgment day, God destroys the wicked. He annihilates them. They They are dead forever. But as the righteous come before his throne, before the judgment seat of Christ, as the righteous make their appearance, as they are made manifest, then God looks and he searches. And remember what we're told in Revelation concerning the judgment of God. In Revelation chapter 20, beginning In verse 11, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, the dead, not the living in this case, but the dead, because God judges the dead. I saw the dead, which would be all the unsaved people of the earth, small and great, stand before God, And the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. So God looks at all the books. He sees their sins. He searches the book of life. He he can look at the book of Adam, as man was originally created good, and he sees that the names of all of the unsaved are blotted out of that book. But then he opens up the book of the Lamb, the book of life of the Lord Jesus Christ that records the names. And of course, all this is just symbolic to represent God's salvation program. But it's as though God opens up the book of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world and and there are uh, tens of millions and millions of names. And when uh, each sinner passes before God, he, he performs this kind of search in an instant. But it's as though he has searched every name in the entire book of life for that particular person's name not found. So God has done everything that the law stipulates, that justice requires. He he sees their sin. He sees no payment ever made for their sin by the atoning work of Christ. And, And so after searching out every possibility, he, the Lord, passes judgment. And, and the judgment is that they will be destroyed. But that's not the situation for God's elect. 
who make an appearance before the judgment seat, and when God performs the intimate personal search of his elect, what does he find? Well, he finds no sin. He finds no sin of any kind. No matter where he looks, he can he can look at their thought life. He can look at their words. He can look at their deeds, the things they've done in their life, and he'll find no sin. Well, hold it. Someone might say, all God's people sin just like anyone else. There, there's no one perfect. And of, of course we sin. Yes, we sin. And we sin in thought. And we sin in word. And we sin in deed. That is in, in our actions. But when God does the search, when God looks upon us, he is looking to see if sin has been paid for, if sin has been settled, or if there is any sin that that the law has not been satisfied with. That is, when Christ died at the foundation of the world for the sins of his people, when those mountains of iniquity were laid upon him, when multiplied transgressions were cast upon him and he bore the weight, the heavy weight of all those filthy sins of the great multitude that he came to save. And when God struck Christ and, and he was smitten and afflicted and, and when God killed him and Christ died, at the foundation of the world in making payment for those sins, then the law was satisfied. The law of God, you know, mankind is married to the law, and the law was like a jealous husband, and and the law wanted vengeance because mankind that was married to it committed spiritual adultery. That's what all the iniquities and sins were. And so the law demanded that the bride, his spiritual wife, mankind, be stoned to death. And for a certain portion of mankind, the elect, Christ was stoned to death. That's why it says in the gospel accounts, when he was in the garden, he was about a stone's cast, because it was illustrating that he was under the wrath of God, he was being stoned, as it were, for the sins of his people, or at that point he was demonstrating all of it. But at the foundation of the world, it was, in actuality, payment was being made. His death was required by the law, and Jesus died on behalf of the elect. For all that he came to die for, and he made payment for all of their sins that they would ever commit in their minds, in their actions, and in the things that they would say in any way whatsoever. Jesus made perfect and complete 
payment for all sin. And then, after payment was successfully received by God, Christ rose from the dead victorious, and also, as a, a enormous indicator that he was justified, that sin was purged by the fires of hell or death, and and when Christ rose, declared to be the Son of God, it was an enormous justification for all of God's elect who were in him, figuratively, and and our sins were paid for by him. Thus, we are clean and washed, baptized by the fires of hell. But now comes the end of time, the end of the world, and all of the elect that are alive and remaining on the earth are making an appearance before the judgment seat. And and again, we're being baptized with the baptism that Jesus was baptized with. He died once in paying for sins at the foundation of the world, but he entered a second time into the world to demonstrate. He made an appearance in showing forth the things that he had done. And God's people, the body of Christ, are following the pattern. They died in him at the foundation of the world and had their sins paid for and washed away in that baptism. But they had to be baptized a second time. And so they make appearance and they are on the earth left remaining throughout the day of judgment. And if there was one sin, one sin of any kind found in one of these people, they would perish with all the wicked. But they they go day after day after day through the judgment, through the prolonged uh, period of judgment. And although it's grievous, although it's a trial of faith and fire has been put to them, the same fire that burns up the inhabitants of the earth, as Isaiah 24, 6 tells us, when the fire is put to them, they do not burn up like wood, hay, and stubble that, that burns instantly. They are instead purified. They are instead purged, but they continue on. They stand in the judgment. They endure to the end of the the period. And then finally, at the end of the entire judgment process, when it is completed, they are remaining. They have been left. That's what it says in Zechariah 13, verse 8, And it shall come to pass that in all the land... Saith Jehovah, two parts therein shall be cut off and die, but the third shall be left therein. And I will bring the third part through the fire and will refine them as silver is refined and will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name and I will hear them. I will say, it is my people. And they shall say, Jehovah is my God. They come through the fire 
It's the same teaching as 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And after reading about the foundation and all that's laid upon it, we read in verse 13, Every man's work shall be made manifest. That That's the appearance the elect are making before God's judgment seat. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he has built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. So this is the situation as God's people continue living at this time, waiting for the completion of the judgment, just as Noah and his family had to wait. They had to wait for the waters to rise to their highest point, 15 cubits above the mountains, and then the waters to recede. And as the waters receded, then the earth began to be revealing with an olive tree and then tops of the mountains and so forth. And it was like a new earth was slowly taking shape until the point they could leave the ark. And the leaving of the ark was the end of the testing, the end of the judgment, and it was like entering into the new heaven and the new earth. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.